You guys can talk now. <laughs> oh, are we oh. Say? That was me going like this. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Lisa. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Again. <laughs> Oh, God, you two. Just get a room. Oh, my God. Completely <laughs> All right. So on this week's three sides of the coin, we have two wonderful guests, Mr. Buck Dharma from Bloister Cult and Mr. Robert Duncan, who is an author, has worked at Cream, wrote one of my favorite Kiss books back in the 70s. He's been on before. You guys will know him. Please join us. Oh, and no Michael today. How great is that? This is Three Sides of the Coin. Talking all things KISS. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Want to get your official Three Sides of the Coin logo and shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com. Three sides fans. This is something I, uh, my 15 year old self right now is pinching himself because he's so damn excited because uh, today on the show, we have guitar legend, Mr. Buck Dharma. Now, do you, do you like when they do the Donald Buck Dharma Rocher? I mean, what, what is, what do you prefer? Cause uh, uh, you know, on contracts, I sign it Donald, but you know, on autographs, I sign it Buck. So cool. Cool. Uh, seeing you guys many, many times. I'm a huge fan, a catalog fan, and uh, probably wearing my BOC. Yeah, uh, looking good there. Looking good. Looking good there, Mark. Yeah, just so so honored to have you on the show. Uh, Let me tell you, this is for me. This is just as exciting as having Gene and Paul on, or uh, I'm again one of my old. So this is Ringo. This is how it's going to go, though. We also have returning guest Robert Duncan, I who uh, worked for Cream. Huh? I was going to get to that. Well, yeah. for Christ's sakes, dude, get to it. <laughs> well, yeah. well, I was going to let everybody know how what a treat it was because when when Robert was on earlier, yeah. and we're talking, getting all kiss geeky, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, you know, you you like BOC," and I'm like, "Yeah." And then we went off in our big BOC tangent on that episode. If you I know it's just yeah. guys, this is going to be like the Chris Farley interview with Paul McCartney. <laughs> That's what this is going to be. So just be prepared. That's cool. Yeah, Robert, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in well, certainly since the the COVID hit, but uh, yeah, about a year or two before yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you were going to come out and you were, gonna, you were you guys were playing out here. And I said, why don't you come? You were playing near where we live. And I said, yeah. why don't you come, come stay overnight. And But it was not to be. It was not. And then COVID hit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Hey, uh, I, I tell Mark, you I don't mean to interrupt you, by the way. No, 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 we, no this no. is great. We want you guys to talk. So. Yeah. Well, here's, I did something because um, I was thinking about it today. There are so many BOC KISS intertwining things that I thought I even made up a list and I got to 10 and then I got to 11 and I'm like, fuck, there's a million of them. But anyways, I tell you what, Buck, let's start here. Both you and KISS are New York bands, but you guys uh, came from Long Island, correct? 
Right. What was the difference between the New York scene, city scene, and where, you know, because you guys obviously came out a few years before them and you built from there. Did you, you didn't play like the same, you know, circuit as the dolls or anything you you, you no. did different no, we didn't we didn't play manhattan much at all right, a, that's you know, before before we were a recording artist you know we and didn't come up that? in new york city at, in that sense you know yeah so that that again there's a contrast there between you know the bands is you know kiss cut their teeth in the city whereas you guys were from you know in uh in toward like crazy and uh yeah well i i don't know if kiss was a big club band either, either. i think they sort of sprung you know just just like orcs come out of the buck you know they came out. <laughs> <laughs> um a, another uh, interesting thing i think for uh, uh, and again buck please forgive me we have a lot of younger fans that you know uh, discovering the stuff but both you and kiss both boc and kiss the live records were a big deal for for your careers yeah and and but uh on your feet or on your knees came out and that was what the spring of 75 um i don't know but you know because i i'm not really that much of an expert on my history but uh, <laughs> no it's really you know so but yeah, that's it was the it was the record after Secret Treaties, and it was the first one to go gold before any of our studio records did. That's again, there's the yeah. similarity with Kiss, where you yeah. guys were road warriors playing all these shows, releasing. That we were both of us just tore our butts off. Yeah, correct, and 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 that's how come I just thought it was as I was going through things today, you know, preparing for the show. I'm like, you know, there's so many similarities. Now, what made you decide to do the the live record? And um, was was it just like a placeholder? You're waiting for, you know. Uh, that's that was one reason, but it wasn't the prime reason. I think the prime reason was that we had developed a, a uh, an energy and a and a, a skill playing live so much that hadn't been really captured on the studio record. So it was time to do that, and um, of course it went over really big and it wasn't just us i mean frampton comes alive happened around that time too you know yeah that that, that, that right yeah. 75 76 yeah. yeah 77 that was really so the it's, yeah the, so that the live record was working for a lot of acts at that time Correct. the yes. reason i brought that up is because a lot of people yeah. a lot of fans go oh kiss alive spawn that i'm like no i mean deep purple had there's out that was huge um uh, uh humble pie had uh yeah. rock and Fillmore that was out you you guys predated them by a good six seven months mm -hmm. the live record thing in the 70s it just kind of built and and and, and bluster cult was one of the bands that were the foundation of those successful live 70 uh 70s records and uh Almond yeah. Brothers at the Fillmore East, too. Correct. Right, right. right. That's a huge record. Yeah. 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 I went well, to one of those shows. It was great. And, and I'm curious, Robert, what your take is on all this, being that you were at Cream at the time and you started covering Bloister Cult. What was your first show with them? And then how did they contrast for you versus some of the other bands coming off the East Coast, be it Kiss or the Dolls? What were you seeing in the scene? Well, I, 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 it may, my first live Blue Oyster Cult show may have been uh, that 
when I went down to see him in West Palm Beach, and it must have been like 1975. Okay. And man, you know, I, 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 and, and, and even if he wasn't here, I would say this. And I think I said it the la when we were talking about my book in the last um, show, we talked actually, uh, Donald, for about an hour about you and the Blue Oyster Cult. So um, he, yeah. <laughs> I was so motivated by, uh, by Buck Dharma's playing. I couldn't, I really was, I just thought, holy shit, this is one of the great guitar players of all time. Oh, and, shucks, Robert. And I and I still believe it. And I and I I remember the last time I I saw you, I I said to you afterwards, I said, "Damn, you know, it was just so great." And I said, "How do you, how do you keep up?" It it had such fire and such invention, and I said, "How do you keep that up?" And he, and you said, "I love it. I still love it." You know, and I yeah, I, just, I entertain that, myself, frankly. It really is. Uh, yeah. It really shows. So yeah. Um, and as to live albums and stuff, I love that uh, "On Your Feet or On Your Knees." Um, I, I I just love that record. And uh, well, I think it's an age thing because I my go to BOC live fix is "Some Enchanted Evening." Hmm. I I just love right out of the gate. And and I don't know, Buck, if you had much input in that. I was always surprised that that record was a single, meaning you know it wasn't a double live. Um, because eventually legacy released it with you know the additional additional songs but uh, were you guys did you guys even have any kind of input on on that or this did the record well, making it a double record i don't know i i i think that you know we it was our third live record so i, I don't know if, if... well so enchanted was your second one from 78 wasn't it yeah no you're right you're right it was the third one the third one because yeah, the, the because ETL. the third one right. yeah. live was a double that's how come yeah. i thought yeah, I mean, I don't even know why we put so much Anted out, frankly, but we did. When, what the, being that I'm a Detroit guy, what mm -hmm. was the impetus for the kick out the jams cover, which is totally incredible on? Well, we, you know, we were we were always fans of the MC5. The, when we were the softball underbelly on Electra, they the MC5 had been signed to Electra, so it's not like we knew those guys, but we definitely knew their music, and and we were way into it. So, um, um, in fact, uh, when we uh, when we covered Kick Out the Jams, uh, Eric asked Rob, you know, what was the words around the Miss McKenzie thing? Because we could never figure out what he was saying, you know. <laughs> they were a great band, too. They really, yeah. were, you know, before their time. Yeah. I just so, read something on the Internet that Wayne Kramer was working with uh, prisoners and doing music programs in jail and stuff. That was wow. Jail Guitar yeah. Doors. He has yeah. he has a foundation with um, with Billy Bragg called jail guitar doors and they they provide mm -hmm. instruments to prisoners and yeah and i mean mainly guitars yeah yeah he's he's been doing that billy bragg actually started it in england and now yeah wayne started the u.s you know what occurred to me is that you know do they allow prisoners to make noise and, you know i mean i can imagine like a lot of bad guitar players in prison like <laughs> <laughs> I think they have it, have them all in a music room because I could imagine yeah. you could you could fashion a pretty nasty weapon out of a right. out of deconstructed oh, guitar, yeah yeah you know? yeah like good. yeah it was yeah well there was a there was a kung fu movie where the stringed instrument was a weapon what was that movie kung um, yeah. I don't I want to know but I don't know yeah the, the title escapes me now but 
with, <laughs> with the guitar, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I, I'd like to know when you guys. Kung Fu were... Hustle, I think it was. Kung Fu Hustle? You Kung Fu see that Hustle. Movie? There's so many of those. I don't know. Yeah. Why. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, you know, the, the guy takes one of these gamelan type things and he's like, you know, he's killing people with it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I like that kind of movie. So yeah. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. When you were coming up, the first time you saw Kiss, what what did you what were your thoughts? Were you just like, are you got you got to be kidding me? My first thought, because they came out in those stacked heel boots. Yeah, that these guys were giants, you know, because because <laughs> Blue Oyster Cult, you know, are are hobbits. We're halflings, you know. Kiss <laughs> Kiss came out, and they must have been about six foot six in those damn things, you know. And this and they're just like you know, and that and they and those the the, the the costumes. I mean, you just never seen anything like it in your life. Also, when Kiss opened for us the first time, we had a modicum of amplifiers in a in a thirteen foot box truck, and uh, that was our gear. And now we showed up in that truck, and Kiss comes up in a semi, you know, that, that's full with with all their stuff and their stage, uh, 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 you know, the effects the you know, the drum riser that went up yeah. the whole thing, you know, and, and, you know, they were an opening act. We went, what that, you know, WTF. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but as a spectacle, you just couldn't help but dig it. You know, it was just amazing. So you, when you looked at it, you got it, you know, whether it's something that you would, would have partook in or not, you yeah. as a musician, you could see it and go, okay, I understand what they're doing. The reason I asked that question is it seems like growing up, listening to Bloister Cult and all these other bands, there's a lot of similarity to me with all of the 70s rock that I listen to. But then there's this distinction of some people who think like, okay, Led Zeppelin is great and everybody else sucks just because of one thing or another. And I was just wondering, as a fellow musician, if you could see what they were doing and appreciate it for what it was. Kiss. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I mean, musically, they weren't they weren't really, you know, pushing any any um, any boundaries, you know, but it um, definitely is the presentation. They they reminded me more of like Alice Cooper than Led Zeppelin. Right. Yeah. Right. It's just that was the thing when we were growing up in high school. We've talked about that. Yeah. It's like those people were hardcore into one band and they thought that anything else was like, no way. This is not for us. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear a musician's perspective yeah i see you've got alice cooper behind you there tom yeah yeah i took yeah. i took that photo last year at one of his shows yeah. uh, super nice guy yeah eric and i did his uh his christmas uh charity show two years ago oh yeah, yeah the the pudding yeah the christmas pudding very yeah. cool hey speaking of alice cooper how did you come to write with neil smith on your solo record uh well we we one of our early breaks and really one of our big instructional uh, experiences was opening for Alice on the Killer Tour uh, right after our first record came out and watching what Alice and the band did really light bulbs went off in our heads about how to relate to a big crowd and on a big stage and what you had to do and how to, had to make it big and you know, I mean, gags aside, you know, he had the guillotine and stuff at that time, but even without the props, just how the band presented itself was a big, a big revelation to Blue Oyster Cult and it really helped us out. But anyway, we got to know the band casually and, and Alice and uh, through that tour. 
And later on, Joe Bouchard moved to Connecticut first and, uh, and Alice and the band were living in Greenwich at the time. And uh, uh, I moved to Stanford after the Reaper was a hit and, uh, and Neil and Dennis were living up there still. And of course they were out of the band at that point, but uh, we got to know them and, and uh, we collaborated on stuff for the flat out record. I thought that was cool. I, I really, I just picked this up for Record Store Day, the mm -hmm. uh, free live. It's just cool because Born to Rock is uh, is on this. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I that? thought it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just listened to that recording on the internet. It's good. Yeah, it really did. They did yeah. a nice job with it. So, mm -hmm. I was, well, that was a pretty popular bootleg two years ago because I think that was originally recorded for, uh, I think maybe King Biscuit. But but this is the first official. Well, the you could have got it in the in the box set. Yeah, and then this came out on vinyl. So right, our management Steve Shank has annoyed our fans for years by taking down stuff off of YouTube. You know, and finally this year, all that all the stuff that you know he was trying to you know covet and protect has come out on Frontiers. So that's it's really good, and the fans are finally happy that they get they have it. And speaking of which, congratulations! Mm -hmm. the, my favorite record of the year so far. Just uh, well, oh, that's so far. great. Thank you. Um, it was a long time in the making, and we really worked hard on it. And um, you know, we we knew if we were going to make a record after all these years, it better be good. So I think we did it. Hey, one of the things I want to, and this is very close to Kiss fans' hearts, and I, I hope maybe being on the inside, you can say, you know, I don't know, maybe speak your piece about this sort of thing, but. You know, I, I belong to a couple of Blue Oyster called fan sites, and 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 it's just like on the Kiss sites, they give Tommy Thayer, <laughs> who's aces, you know, excuse me, who, who took Ace's place in Kiss, yeah. they give Richie hell, and Richie just, my God, what a great job he did on this new record, and I've seen you guys multiple times with Richie in the band, yeah. and I, can you talk a little bit? Does that frustrate you when you when people like? Give uh, you know Billy and 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 you know all, all the jewels. They, they, they uh, ex, you know, excuse me, uh, Danny is women. Danny and Jules uh, and and Richie like kind of a hard time. Uh, well, listen to the symbol remains. You know, this is what Blue Oyster Cult is in 2020. You know, that's yeah. I mean, it'd be nice if the Beatles were still together, but they're not. You know? <laughs> well, and look at the longevity you've had. It's impossible. Yeah. To keep yeah. Because if you think about it, who the only band I can think of off the top of my head, unless one of you guys have to add to it, would be you too. Other than that, I mean, even Cheap Trick has lost members and they've come back. The Rolling Stones, you know, Aerosmith is still all together, but they even had a time where two of them had left or three of them had left. So yeah. it seems like it would be almost impossible to keep it together for as long as you guys have been doing it. True. It's true. I guess one of those things is being, like I said, a, a big fan of the band is what he brought. I mean, especially a song like Tainted Blood. I mean, that sounds to me like classic BOC and, and the vampire theme, you know, those little, cause you guys lyrically, there's few bands that can touch boys to call. I mean, if you look, look back through the catalog, um, it, you know, it's not just boy meets girl stuff. I mean, there's some great, great right. stuff. Right. It's boy meets girl. And then it goes horribly around. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, you know, again, like I said, he sings he does such a great job on Tainted Blood. 
and the lyrics, you know, kind of take the, cause let's face it, there's more than a few, uh, and Robert, you can help me fill in. Mm. There's more than a few vampire type theme songs in, in the BOC catalog. So yeah, just, we're big into vampires, you know, just cause you know, vampires are sexy. <laughs> they always were, you know, not yeah. like werewolves, werewolves just tear throats out. You know, that's all they do. <laughs> you know, speaking speaking of which show too, that's another, uh, you know, when I was uh, Edge of the World, which is very, you know, ETI like in the lyrics, you know. Yeah. That, yeah. And that's Richie. That's, that's my, that's why I brought yeah. it up. I'm like, this yeah. guy was like the, the, the BOC DNA was in this guy from day one. I mean, yeah, well, Richie applied himself too. you know, I think Richie natively is is a is like a 70s prog guy. You know, that's basically where he comes from, you know, plus plus pop music. But uh, that's 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 probably his native um, um, origin. So. When he's in BOC, he's definitely uh, he, he he definitely sort of learned the 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 BOC DNA rubbed off on him, you know. And well, you can he tell got I mean, he got yeah. it, yeah. Especially uh, especially his melodies too, and yeah. the way he sings, and uh, again, just uh, so into uh, the new record. Speaking of which, too, I the machine I think would have been a great single. I mean, if they still did those sorts of. Yeah, I thought so too. I I thought the machine was probably our most you know popish song. Of course, you know there's no pop music like we would write on the charts anymore. But uh, so be it. Yeah. Well, and I want to ask you a question about that because yeah. one of the things, and it's it's a compliment from my understanding, is is like when you're talking about newer and younger bands, mm-hmm. one of the bands that keep keep getting compared to you guys is Ghost. Ghost, yes. Are you familiar with their music, and what are your thoughts Not on that? Not deeply into it, but of course I've had to check them out because of the comparison, and and yeah. I see I see you know where you could make, say that, but I don't think we are a lot alike. But I admire the the melodic elements of Ghost and the fact and and the the heavy stuff and and the way they they put it all together. So yeah, you know I. I I think it's a flattering comparison for both of us. Both I of think us. so too. Yeah. And it, what's interesting is I've heard that from so many people. Yeah. Like, well, what does this band sound like? Oh, they sound like Bluster Cult. Oh, and then you right away, I know, okay, it's going to be melodic. It's going to be heavy. It's going to have all these different elements. And so I, I would agree with you. It's, yeah. it's interesting to hear your take. And and at the same time, I don't think I don't think you can copy Blue Oyster Cult. I, I, I think it'd be very hard for somebody to consciously say, okay, we're going to be just like Blue Oyster Cult because it's kind of hard to put your finger on what Blue Oyster Cult is. What is what's the essence of the band to you in your mind? Um, it's just, you know, an amalgam of the personalities. You know, you got me and Eric Bloom, and then you've got, uh, you know, historically, you've got the Bouchard brothers and Alan Lanier, you know, and now you got you got Richie, Jules and Danny. So but it's always me and Eric, basically, that's that are the two axes of, of the, the melodic and, the, and the, the menacing, you know. Right. You guys have had a great run so far. Yeah. I mean, we we haven't felt like stopping yet. You know, like we have to, like we touched on earlier, we have to enjoy it ourselves because we don't have to do it. But right. what else am I going to do with my life, really? You know, it's <laughs> my, as long as I could still play and sing, I might as well keep doing it. 
So yeah. that's what we do. What's, yeah. Well, what's the hardest part of touring for you or being in a band? And what's the um, best part? The travel is the worst. You know, we can't afford to have our own plane. If we could, that would be nice. You know? Yeah. But, yeah. So commercial travel is, just gets worse and worse, of course. But, yeah. For everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the performing is always just, I, I can't wait to get on stage at night. Well, yeah, and you've got such a dedicated fan base, which yeah. is great. We actually played a show last Saturday night in Carlisle, PA. It was a private event for uh, for uh, an organization of lawyers, actually. And and as an audience, they weren't the greatest audience, you know, in terms of appreciation. But just to be on stage and play with the guys again, when we hadn't done it since uh, a drive-in show we did in the uh, in July, you know, it was just such a pleasure to just play so what did you do to prepare for that show do you guys because you've been doing it for so long can you just literally get up see each other and play or do you do a couple of days of rehearsals what no do you do? We, did, we didn't get together you know we, getting together is, is problematic the last time we got together was to do the videos for the symbol remains and we did that in a room where all got masks on, and the only time we took the masks off were in, in front of the green screen, you know, doing our aping performances, yeah. you know. Things but uh, yeah, no, we just show up. I I had to rehearse the set because it's been a long layoff, you know. I had to make sure I could play the stuff. <laughs> and also, you know, my fingers kind of deteriorate. I mean, you see guitars behind me, I play, but, you know, not like, performance play you know which is a real you know concentrated thing so when you do my fingers that, are a little sore this week actually as it turns out yeah uh, really? so so yeah. when you when you do that though when you run through the set do you just sit down with your guitar and play stuff by memory do you play along to a, a recording what do you do i actually referenced the video on our our website of um, of that uh, driving gig so i made sure that i, I was playing the current versions of stuff you know? So, yeah, I mean, I listen to it. Most of the stuff I could do in my sleep. Yeah. Just because uh, the muscle memory is so deep and so good. How was the drive-in show? That, that looked so cool. It look, I, I was yeah. like, holy shit, with the, with the, the yeah. screens. And it, it, it looked like a real. There's a really good audio and video recording of it on, on yeah. our YouTube channel. So if you want to check it out. Yeah. How did it feel from your, your end? Uh, it it was great. Again, I was this damn Wuhan virus. It's just it's it's, it's it, there's so many so many awful things that's been a been happened as a result of it. So uh, just getting together to to play that show was just it's it's like you know like a reunion almost, and and it should be, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, it wanted to. Uh, ask you a kind of a geeky fan question here which mm -hmm. it seems all of mine are but i want to go back to 1979 with mirrors um i love that record and but at the time i, I know you guys kind of got criticized for maybe trying to be a little too poppy which i thought was crazy because in the summer of 79 the single of, of mirrors was huge here in detroit it was always on the radio but with stuff because and again i'm trying to tie this into the kiss because you know it's our, our, our fan base here mm -hmm. but you know kiss did i was made for loving you and you guys did something like dr music you know what i mean yeah. something that wasn't really was that conscious i mean were you guys trying to 
much like Rod Stewart did with, you know, do you think I'm saying there was, there was like some dance oriented rock stuff. Was that, was that a conscious thing or did the record company ever come to you and go, Hey, you know, well, just curious. that's funny. We, we, uh, we did three records, four records without having a, a hit, you know, a, a pop hit, a, a chart hit, you know, what we used to call an AM hit back before when AM radio was hit radio and FM was album radio. But once the Reaper was a hit, we were under tremendous pressure to have more. Not only that, though, all the band members wanted to write a hit because, you know, I mean, I'd written one and, and that was that was great. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, everybody wanted to write a hit song. So I think the Mirrors record everybody came in with a really poppy material, you know, and that's, and, you know, it was produced by Tom Worman and, you know, Tom had been a hit maker for uh, cheap trick and a hit maker for uh, Molly Hatchet, you know, and if you can imagine Molly Hatchet being, you know, a, a hit band, but they, they were, they had one. So. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you so that's why I mean, and, and even, I mean, even before, right up to the time he got dropped by Columbia, there was always pressure to to have another hit single. So, did you over the last the, almost twenty years since the last record, did did you were you just piling up songs, or did you, or was it more like, oh, the deadline's coming now, I got to get to work, or work? Yeah, more the latter. Um, I think one of the reasons we didn't make a record in the last 20 years is that we didn't really have a lot of material. I certainly felt like I didn't have a lot to say. I didn't feel like making up stuff. It was um, after the, the relatively poor reception of, um, of Heaven Forbid and Curse of the Hidden Mirror, which we did right around the, the 2000s, you know, we said, okay, we'll just we'll just play our catalog and be a live act, you know, and that worked for, for years. Yeah. I tell you what, heaven forbid, cause you, let's face it, you guys have a ton of classic images for album covers. Cause yeah. I love that record. That's a great record, but that cover, that's what I mean. Did you ever, did you yeah. guys even need the cover before it came out? Yeah, no, that was a disaster that, you know, it's the kind of thing like when we finally saw it and, you know, it's a great record. And I we said, that. yeah, we said, no, you know, so, well, you know, we got this. It's it's got to be it's got to come out. You know, it's got to you know, they want it. You know, I mean, I, I would have done the smell of glove thing if I could have. I would have <laughs> just, just made a black cover, you know, but anyway, that's yeah. No, heaven forbid. That's that's a. But, you know, kind of going back a little bit too. you know what I was I always thought take me away should have been a lot bigger of a song yeah that, why wasn't that a hit i don't know i don't know either I, I, that yeah. song had a good video i good. know yeah I, I i really thought that would do what burning for you know burning with or you did and it, and it didn't and i was like oh you got to be kidding yeah. me yeah i mean eric bloom should have had a, a hit single and i i don't know why it didn't happen but you know doesn't doesn't that happen a lot where stuff just kind of falls through the the cracks you know mm -hmm. there's so yeah. many songs that i hear that i'm like i can't believe this wasn't a huge hit and it just yeah. wasn't and then or the flip talk, side too the flip side is you know why was that song a hit that's awful you know? well exactly <laughs> and then we we've talked about how regional things are so like yeah. i'm in minneapolis and mark's in detroit 
And even though we're Midwest, some of the songs that were very popular on FM radio there weren't here and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, so I kind of wonder if that's come of this some that's kind of some of the stuff too that you know adds to everything. Yeah. The last song we had that should have been a hit was uh, Dancing in the Ruins. With oh, Ninja. love that one. Yeah. Of Ninja, right? Yeah. And yeah. we got shanked because that was the last uh Paola DJ scandal. You know, that was national, that was, you know, Congress and all that testimony. And unfortunately, our our record was out as a single and CBS Records sort of threw their independent promotion guys under the bus, you know, as far as uh, the, the scandal went. And in retaliation, all the radio stations took all the CBS product off the air, including Dancing in the Ruins. So that's a great single, another great yeah. example. Yeah. 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 I suppose. No, I was just going to say it's it's it seems like it's luck of of the draw sometimes with stuff like that or timing or circumstance. Yeah, you know the internet was something weird. No one saw that coming. You know. No. Yeah. 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 Well, and so many people have, and that's we talk about it too. It's hard to explain to younger fans with the anticipation of like Blue Easter Cult coming to town, for instance, and being excited for like four months and looking at your tickets every day, you know, hanging on your wall, waiting for that day to come. And now it seems like so much of that's lost because you can just hop on the internet and watch a video or see the live performance. And it really has kind of taken away some of that magic of waiting. Yeah, it's um, the world's really changing almost faster than you can deal with it at this, this moment in time. Yeah, it really is. Hey, Buck, I want to go back a little bit. Uh, I think it's around 1980. And the reason I bring this up is you talked about, you know, putting on a show and a spectacle. You guys were really one of the first bands to really incorporate lasers. Um, how'd yeah. that um, Sandy Perlman found uh, this guy, David Infante, in uh, downtown New York. And he was working with, with lasers and, and uh, you know, the, when the laser goes into these series of mirrors that are on, on motors and stuff, and they, they make the, the planes and the cones and the, you know, all the different things. And uh, we went, he had a loft and we went down there and saw it and the effects were just astonishing mind-boggling you know and uh, you know to look to see the to see the plane go like this you know they just put some smoke some of that smoke that they do the lights with and you see that cone you see that movie still now but you don't see it live and we were probably the only band to do that live plus uh, eric had the, the fiber optic bracelet and he could point a mirror ball and the laser beam would shoot out and hit the mirror ball and the spikes would go all over the place and stuff and it was just it was um it was very expensive and and like fools we bought the things instead of like you know renting them or leasing them or something you know but and they would break and we'd have to ship them back to atlanta because that's where the lasers are made and uh they were big and heavy you know lasers have come a long way since then but uh It was it was just such a powerful effect that we decided that you know we wanted to do it. But in retrospect, it we just spent a fortune on them, and and the government came out 
OSHA came out and followed us around for about six weeks. And then after that, they wrote a bunch of regulations, which basically outlawed our show. So <laughs> we couldn't do it. And it's not that we ever hurt anybody, but they didn't want the responsibility for hurting people in the hands of rock and roll people. And that's, that's basically what it was. Well, I brought that up, too, because the, of, yeah. of the KISS connection in 79, which is yeah. earlier, KISS invested in one and never used it and literally like the next year you guys are out on the road using it successfully or i should say more successfully than kiss ever got yeah i mean it, it was a pain in the neck but boy and anyone who saw that show you're not going to forget it i mean i didn't forget it it actually made the band kind of lazy you know we'd be playing along and said oh i know those lasers are going to come on in about a minute man and not going to really <laughs> dig it <you> know? <laughs> And I want to know where are the lasers, the broken lasers now? I don't know. I, I, it's, it's probably like uh, you know, obsolete electronic gear. It's like you know, it's like, it's like sitting next to the cathode ray tube television. You know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm just, uh, well, I hope some collector got them because that that was a, f yeah. a fantastic show. Well, they and, were big. They were big. They were in a, a in an aluminum frame. You know, they look like a girder and the yeah. laser was in the middle of it. And it's, it was glass and it was water cooled and it was you had to hook it up to water. And, you know, there was hoses running, you know, through every venue and stuff. And uh, they were very fragile. They'd break easily. They, they were like suspended on springs, you know, yeah. shock mounted, but not very well. Did the lasers have to have their own road crew? Uh, yeah, we did. We had a we had a laserist, you know, and then uh we the biggest our show ever was was three trucks for sound and lights and effects yeah yeah, yeah. oh that was great and and um my my wife ronnie hoffman got to design um the godzilla when, when godzilla appears it, it was maybe a little bit down the road in the laser thing but so she drew the godzilla that became the laser godzilla. really yeah, yeah. i did yeah. not know that yeah yeah godzilla was was made by bill grant's people for a new yeah. year show and uh bill said you know do you want it you know i said yeah you don't want it <laughs> he said and then they said the grant people says what would we want it for you know <laughs> so we, hey, did you we ever get on into, tour we took did it you on ever tour. Get any pushback from uh from toho the you know the the, the film company or i would imagine they would have liked yeah it. yeah Actually, when when I wrote Godzilla, when it came out on uh, on on the Spectres record, we heard from AA Wonderland Records in the United States, who evidently had had the audio rights to Godzilla or something. We had to pay them a a a, a percentage of percentage point royalty or something for using just the name Godzilla. I don't know. I mean, we probably could have you know made an issue you know i don't think you can copyright a title yeah how's that possible that seems no. odd i just think we took the the path of least resistance and gave him a little piece of godzilla so. make him happy yeah but toho uh toho came down on us for selling godzilla t-shirts they, they made mm. it stop yeah mm -hmm. toho and and harley davidson both both stopped us from you know infringing on their trademark yeah well, I just remember seeing it for the first time. It was the Black and Blue tour mm. in Minneapolis at the Met Center. And that was the highlight. That that was very cool. But so it was worth it, you know, because people walked away not forgetting it. Yeah. yeah. You know? I you know, certainly the days of, of huge 
stage productions is over for BOC. You know, we, we're yeah. we're like a roots band now, man. We, we're roots rockers. Yeah, but that's okay. People just want to come out and see the music. Yeah, you know. Well, I tell you, I, I really, I last time I saw you guys, I think it was December of nineteen. Um, you guys played at a just a club here, Andy Amos, and place was packed and uh, the set list was great. I was really happy you guys really kind of stretched the set list. I mean, there's stuff from the first record all the way on, on down. I love when bands do that. Yeah. Well, we typically get hired to play 90 minutes and sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's less, you know, we're going to do a, an arena tour with deep purple uh, in October. We're supposed to do it this year. And of course the, the vid, scotch that but uh we're only gonna play an hour and when we when we can do um our own show in a in a venue that's uh, that allows it we'll we'll play two hours we'll play maybe a little longer but uh typically it's an hour and a half and we do what we can and we try to rotate the deeper cuts just to keep our fans and ourselves amused we do that I got a question too about, yeah. of course, this was aimed right at me. You know, I think this was 80 or 81, but I love the Marshall Plan. Uh, what was the impetus for that song? Did, was there, were you guys, because that's a great storytelling sort of. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember why that song got written. Um, and I can't remember the why. Mm. Yeah, well, that that whole red, that's probably my fave album. But it's also too, you know, when I'm 15, 16, mm -hmm. um, I, at the time, Cultosaurus Erectus is just man, I just freaking love that record. Black Blade and um, yeah. Monsters is on that, and but, but see, you don't play that. I don't think recently you played anything off that one though. We do Black Blade fairly frequently. No, no, I, I think last yeah. time I saw you, I don't, I don't. Yeah. I don't, remember that but anyways um yeah, that, yeah that's, but i'd that, agree I, I think cult source is great the both records we made with martin birch you know are, are are my favorites or among my favorites you know certainly the you know you can you can split boc up into the the black what the fans call the black and white records the first three, yeah, three you know, yeah. then there's agents and and specters so that's another couplet you know and then then uh you know, Mirrors sort of sits on its own and Club Ninja sits on its own and, you know, but the two Birch records too is another era of BOC. Yeah. Have you hey, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, you, you wrote a song with your son, Zeke. On, on yes. The, yes. How was that? That just seems like tremendous. That was fun. great. That was great. It was a great father-son experience, yeah. And uh, and did you were you following him or was he following you? Uh, it was his song. You know, he it's been in his set head since he was a college student. You know, now he's a middle aged father of three. But uh, it's a uh, it's it's his imagining of the inner life of a of a commuter train conductor. You know, it's a train song, but it's but it's a it's sort of a, a, an ironic train song or a tongue in cheek train song. I right. love that. Tune. I thought that could have really have been one on, on one of the first couple of records because it's so out yeah. there. Yeah. The story is really good. I don't, you know, I don't know if you've paid attention to the words in that song, but they're, yes. it's, it's a really nifty story. I love yeah. the, I love the, yeah. the, 
quick shuffle of train, train, da, 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 coming yeah. from. Yeah, feel a dang, feel a dee doo, dang a doo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like that too. Um, are you going to bring Zeke on tour? Uh, you know, he's 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 pretty busy himself, but sure, yeah. <laughs> is he um, is he uh, is he a great guitar player like you are, or is he more of a songwriter or? Both my son and my daughter grew up with instruments, and they both play. But uh, Zeke's a lawyer, and I'd say he doesn't play much guitar these days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although you know, as a writer, you know, we're thinking of writing more stuff. So yeah, oh, that's you know, nothing like Train Two. There's only one Train Two. Yeah. <laughs> There's no there'll there'll no there'll be no Train Two. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I go. I I have one other question. Um, on on that was me the um that riff is that in it that's you know and, and i know you do this and i'm never i'm never sure how to kind of count it but it, i think is that in like some kind of not uh it's beyond four four it's it's some other time signature that no riff? no i mean it, it's got that little turnaround in it but it's right. it but it's a it's a four four phrase yeah yeah because that seems like a characteristic uh, uh yeah well, you know, you know who likes to drop beats a lot is Eric Bloom. He, he's really into that, you know. But, but, but the uh, I think the lick was was written by Richie, but yeah, because well, it was an Eric co-write. You know, I'm sure Eric Eric you know was maybe inspired that or or said let's do this. You know, you'd have to ask Eric. Yeah, he'd yeah. tell you. Yeah, you know who else like like to drop beats was John Lennon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to, yeah, once yeah, once he got once he started, you know, taking those drug drugs, you know, they right. that. <laughs> he wasn't doing that back when it was uh, you know, ask me why or you know, I want to hold your hand. Yeah. Have you written your best song? Um, I hope not, but you know, if I keel over tomorrow, I, I'm sort of happy with my legacy. D what do you say to the people who, or I should say people, the musicians who say it's no longer worth recording music because you clearly recorded a new record? What, what do you say to them? Um, I think posterity is a good enough reason, you know, and the weird thing to me of this year is that I realized that streaming coming out of you know, the internet killing the record business streaming now. It's, it's like the biggest jukebox in the world that, that everybody can, you know, put their dime in right. quarter, whatever it costs and forever, you know? And I think it, it make, probably makes it a little harder for new artists, but new artists are, are seem to be doing fine. The ones that make it, you know, as far as numbers and the, uh, I think one of the reasons that the, these investors are paying so much money for uh, for the song catalogs of these legacy artists is 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 this because of this jukebox thing. They're, that jukebox is going to be around forever, and good music will endure in a way that it it hadn't when it was just radio and and physical records. Well, yeah, and Bob Dylan just sold his catalog. Right, that's what I'm referencing. You know that. Yeah. Uh, 300 million yeah yeah and i think these big numbers are because people are anticipating that the that streaming will um will pay it back at some point you know yeah 
Well, yeah, a lot of a lot of Bob Dylan for to pay back three hundred million, oh. million dollars. I was like, holy shit! Like a Rolling Stone. <laughs> well, you know, sure it, he'll, he'll be selling cars before yeah. Yeah, my wife's a big Bob Dylan fan, and she was playing some Dylan in the car. By by the third song, I'm going, okay, that's enough Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love Dylan, but I uh, I actually thought 300 million. I thought that's a deal. I said, you know, Dylan is going to be around, you know, as long as that jukebox is is around. Yeah, no, I I suppose you know Dylan will be like a Beethoven in a certain in a certain sense, you know, but who knows. Well, and I'm hoping the one good thing that comes out of this whole pandemic is that people who became apathetic to going to see live music will now appreciate what they have when it returns. Because, you know, in my age group, there's so many that just don't want to stay out past 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, you, all you do is work. What's one night out going to see a band you say you love? So mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that it'll bring a resurgence for everybody and that people will appreciate what they've got. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just staying on Dylan, I don't know if he's going to tour again. You know, it's, he's 78 years old. You know, yeah. would, would you tour? I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd like to tour, but, uh, you know, I'm getting up there. And one of these days I'm going to stop. You know, if I think I'm going to, you know, catch catch something and die i'm not going to tour you know but well yeah i i saw i saw ian hunter front mock the hoople here when when was it was that 2018 Mm -hmm. maybe 2000 and i didn't know at the time and i'm a big mod fan but he was almost 80 at the time yeah yeah and let me tell you wouldn't have known it i i remember you know whatever his his next birthday was and i was like holy shit i just saw him earlier this year Matter of fact, it was early in 19. That's when it was. Mm-hmm. And I I about fell over when I found out he was. Yeah, he's, a, he's a youthful uh, codger. You know, he, he definitely is. And I know you guys, uh, you guys uh, did one of his tunes. Yep. Yeah. Eric co-wrote with, uh, with Ian and uh, going through the motions. Yeah. Which I love I, that's, a- that's another one I thought should have been a hit. I a thought. Single, no doubt. Yep. I, yep. I thought that's just a, a sin. Yeah, I think um, oh, what's somebody covered that. You know um, who who did Ian's songs? Uh, can't think of her name either. That's that's what happens when you get old. You can't think of the name. <laughs> well, I couldn't think of all of us. But yeah, I need a fact checker. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do. Um, Hey, hey, Ronnie, I said, I asked my, my wife, Ronnie Hoffman, who I've uh, told you guys. She, so she, yeah. for a time, lived in the band house with her boyfriend, who who wrote some lyrics for Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah. And and so I said, well, give me give me a trivia question for for uh, Donald um, that, that nobody else would know. And, and she said, OK, how many cats were living in the Great Neck band house? I couldn't count them, but there was there were several. <laughs> yep. She says she says the correct answer is seventeen. No, there wasn't that many, was there? That's that's what she said. Yeah, I guess there were there was litters at some time, right? Like there must have been little cats running around. Yeah, yeah. So that that was the band house for I guess right. soft white underbelly and mm-hmm. um, yeah, so. that was that was great times. Yeah, so there you go, seventeen cats. That's that's Ronnie's question. That's right. We were poor, but we yeah. were happy. 
Yeah. <laughs> and did you ever imagine it would go on for, I mean, this is like, you know, back, back in the day, you did, bands didn't imagine it was going to go on for decades. Certainly not. You know, and in most cases it doesn't, but you know, and it, it's odd that it did and it's fine. I'm it's okay great. with it. Yeah. 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 Well, Buck, have you seen, uh, um, cause I asked, uh, Robert about it last time. Did did you uh, see Martin Popoff's new uh, book, the visual the picture book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that phenomenal or why? What an incredible job! He yeah, did. it is. Uh, my, my only criticism of that book is that it didn't really have any good pictures of the the very later years, like the current up to now. You know, the pictures of the ones they sound like. You know, they look like they're snapshots from fans or stuff. That there's no really good photos, he, but they're out there. And he but he didn't get them. Mm. Yeah. I enjoyed it as a fan, though. I mean, I, it was yeah. a lot. Of, uh, oh, yeah. The 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 early stuff that's very well covered, I thought. Yeah. What's your biggest accomplishment so far? What are you most proud of? I don't know. Staying married for almost 50 years. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty good accomplishment. Uh, yeah, that's a miracle. Yeah. So we'll give you the round of applause on that. Yeah. You know, given given the the job and the privilege and all that stuff, yeah, it was tough. But yeah. here we are. There you Sandy go. And I. Yeah, yeah. Hey, did, did this is kind of a silly question, but you always dressed so nice on stage. Did anyone ever say rock it up a bit? I read something where someone described my look as a green grocer. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, the, is that like uh, the white suit you're yeah. talking about? I, you know, I don't, I'm an awful rock star. I'm a, I'm a terrible <laughs> rock star. Um, I just never had that, you know, never had that, you know, tall, thin, you know, with the with the thing around your neck kind of thing. You know, I just never, never could pull it off. So, well, it's, either I read somewhere or someone told me that Ace used to call you Suit Man. Suit Man, yeah. yeah. Well, I was the Suit Man for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I figure you couldn't go wrong with the suit. Yeah, well, Xander, all kinds of people, the Beatles, you know. Yeah. yeah, at least we didn't all dress alike, you know. Yeah, there's variety is we good. We could have done that for a promo shot, but we never did. Yeah. Here's here's another funny thing. I'm I'm sure you must look back and laugh that Joan Crawford, the video for Joan Crawford, was banned by MTV. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, talk and, about and guys. Ooh. If you're a, a younger fan, yeah, go to go to go to YouTube right now and and watch the Joan Crawford video. Yeah. Number one, it's an incredible song. But then think to yourself, like that was banned, right? <laughs> yeah, now they got Cardi B. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's true. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean that was weird. I, I I guess it was just a little too, I don't know, the schoolgirls with the vampire blood. I think and maybe that's what it was. There's a vampire theme again. <laughs> yeah, although that was just a you know just just a, a the visual a fill up, yeah a fill up on that that video yeah yeah I love the video though I, I it's yeah. a great video again what that's one of my favorite songs I, I I love the piano intro that's so yep. beautiful yeah. Yeah. yeah, we still do that. Richie pretty much faithfully plays Alan's intro on that. Yeah. yeah. That's great. The great David Roeder contributed to that. Yes, David. R.A.P. David. DFTR. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, so, Robert, what's over your right shoulder? Do you have a new book? I'll tell you what's over my right shoulder. Oh, I'm sorry, left shoulder. Yeah. I'm looking at it backwards. No, but 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 my right shoulder. Can you see that gold record there in the in the uh, in the yes. corner? Yeah, well, that that is a gold record for uh, Buck Dharma's band that my wife got for designing the cover for Specters. So yeah, I could tell. I started Specters from here. Yeah, well, when I started going doing podcasts from, I have a little studio in my house, and when I started doing podcasts from here, I, I said to her, she had the record upstairs, and I said, let, hey, let me, let me have the gold record in the background. Yeah, you know, put it on, on the wall, Robert. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, the wall is the walls are all you know squishy stuff, so it's, it's I'm afraid it would fall down. And if yeah. I ever broke the the gold record, Ronnie would kill me. So, um, but anyways, that's that. This is my book, of course. Yeah. Loud mouth. Um, still flogging that, trying to get people to buy it for Christmas. I, I would suggest a twofer for people. I okay. would suggest the symbol remains and loudmouth. Yeah, boy, that's, that's double dynamite right there. Yeah. <laughs> there. There's a gift for the rock fan in your family. Yeah. So that was a very interesting read, Robert. I, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And and I didn't realize that uh I didn't realize that Lester had moved to New York. Yeah. Something I, I didn't know about. Yeah. Lester moved to New York and he moved to New York when I called him up. We had a, the cheapest apartment in New York City on 14th Street and 6th Avenue. And I called. I had been there a few months and I had come from Detroit. And, and Lester was always bitching about Detroit. He's famous for wearing the Detroit Sucks t-shirt. Yeah. And, uh, and so I... Uh, I called him up. I said, dude, you're always talking about uh, coming to New York. Well, the apartment next to me just came empty. So that's like the, the second cheapest apartment in New York. And it was like under $200 at the time. And even wow. in 1976, I think this was, it was, uh, that was cheap. And, uh, and, and so he said, I said, do you want me to tell the landlord you want it? You want me to put a few dollars down for you? He says, do it. And he, and then he showed up, you know, four or five weeks later and uh so we had our little our little we were the only two apartments on the top floor so we left our doors open and we and it was all great until it <laughs> until it wasn't you know Lester, yeah. Lester fans went with the, the night i came home and a lester fan had taken my last six pack of beer out of my fridge i'm like okay fuck this shit yeah you don't take this beer i mean come on <laughs> Don't take a man's what? beer. No. Where was that located in New York? 14th Street and 6th Avenue. For, on 6th Avenue between 14th and 15th Streets. It was a, it was a dumpy block. It's still a dumpy block. and uh, But damn, was it cheap. So yeah, Lester was there because of because I called him up and said, come. We were, we were pretty close. Yeah, reading, Lester, reading uh, Rich, um, Robert's book is... I mean, it really takes you back to that time period and, and uh, puts you right back there. And uh, it's it's a it's a very interesting read from that perspective. It really brings alive that uh, that scene and that time in a way that uh, I don't think uh, I've known any other book to do. And that says a lot for you to say that because you were also part of it, you yeah. know. So, yeah, but I, I found out a lot about Robert that, that I didn't know, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, well, yes, in spite of we've known each other yeah. for more than 40 years. But uh, Wow. 
but uh, yeah. Yeah, even though he describes it as a work of fiction. Yeah, it is a, it is, <laughs> it is technically a work of fiction. Yes. But, uh, and uh, yeah. So yeah. I don't so, know how to explain it. Then before we wrap up, I want each of you guys to tell everyone how they can find you, where they can get the music, where they can get the book, so that all of our listeners know, uh, rather than just making an assumption that it's in one place or another. Yeah. All right. Who first? Uh, it's up to you. You you first. Buck Dharma first. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Blue Oyster Cult uh, recently released our first new album in almost 20 years. It's called The Symbol Remains. And it's on all the streaming services. You can listen for free on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, it's got 14 songs and none of them are bad. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's all killer, no filler. Nice. And uh, you can buy the hard copy. You can get a digital download or you can just stream it. But uh, please check it out because I think there's something for everybody. The, the material is all over the place style-wise and genre-wise. And uh, BOC has never, never uh, been afraid to go different places musically. And, and we did. And we did. And the quality of the music is consistently good. And if you look at the reviews, the reviews have been great. You know, everybody's like surprised. What, are these guys still around? Man. They made a good record. <laughs> yeah. And, and so then is there a place that people can also connect with you or follow you? Are you on any of the socials like uh, Facebook? Yeah, I'm on Instagram and, and Facebook and I'm, I don't think I'm on Twitter, but, and I don't really do it. I've, I've got people that do it. I've got, uh, got a gal that does my, my social media, but you know, I, I read it and, and I will, I will get, you know, if I, I will see it if you, if you want to say something. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So they can follow you and see what's going on. They can follow me. Certainly. Yeah. Okay. Follow me. <laughs> and Robert. Well, I, I have to second the, what, what uh, Buck Dharma has said about his record. That record is really strong record, really good record. And, and he, he you know, he, uh, Buck Dharma remains to me, one of the greatest, ever perhaps the greatest uh rock guitarist he's just a different kind of he 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 plays different notes he does not play what you expect and certainly doesn't play the cliches so um I'm, and really kudos to 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 the band for for coming on strong after 20 years uh my uh my you know my book is available everywhere bookstores everywhere um it's on you know, Amazon, uh, it's Amazon has the, the paperback, the ebook and the audio book, the audio books now out. Somehow that took a while, but, and, and the audio books also on Apple books and, uh, and uh, it's, it's uh, the book, the, the book, paper book is also on, uh, you can go to bookshop.org, which is a consortium of indie book stores. So if you want to support indie bookstores, bookshop.org, you'll find it. Uh, and that's, uh, and it's my, yeah, it's my first novel. I've written a bunch of other books, but I've written mostly about music. And this one is uh, got a lot of rock and roll in it and a lot of, a lot of sex and drugs too, even if it wasn't always me taking the drugs or getting the sex. So but you were nearby. And so you saw it. 
Yeah, I, I guess I like to watch, you know, or something. <laughs> but we learned uh, something new about Robert today. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's and you know the two together, you know what a what a what a gift for the the rocker in your family, you know, whether it's a, a grandpa or a grandbaby. Yeah, it was a it was a great time too. You know, I think yeah. uh, I think our generation was was a great time to be alive and a great time to live. And I don't think it's it's ever going to be the same again. You know, obviously every every era of history, you know, is evolutionary and different. But uh, to look back on on that one is great. And it's when it's when the music was the center of everything in those days. You know, that was it. You know, music yes, to be. To be a rock star was the ultimate. Yeah, so. yeah, and so much has been has been written and filmed about about you know the seventies rock era and sixties, seventies, eighties, and uh, and this is a great addition to it. Yeah, you know, I'm, I, one night I'm, I'm sitting on my couch minding my own business, and I get an email from a guy who said, "Hey, I'm interested in in uh, buying your book for the movies and writing the screenplay." And, uh, and I'm like, is it, I'm, I'm like looking the guy up. I'm thinking, okay, this is just a gag. You know, this yeah. is something kidding me. And, but it wasn't. And he's this hot young screenwriter, you know, 33 year old guy. And so he's working on a, on a script right now. So uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. That How has, cool yeah. is that? Yeah. We, and we had a long uh, phone call the next day and he went, went over a whole bunch of stuff. Here's how I see it. And kind of pitched me on it. I thought, all right. Okay. It never would have occurred to me that anybody could make it into a movie, but, but I, so I hope kind of hope yeah. it happens. Oh, yeah. that would be fantastic. Plus they need some fresh ideas. I mean, I, you know, I get tired of seeing the same stuff rewritten over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. This kid, this, this kid, I call him a kid, but he was, he was really great. And he's got a, a big deal, new movie coming out next year, I guess. Robert, did you see the HBO series vinyl? I did, and I, I was, was really good. Oh, I thought it was terrible, except oh, for like the one I yeah. liked. The one episode I liked was um, what's his name, uh, Andrew Dice Clay, when he plays the 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 cokehead, and I thought I you've never seen a more accurate portrayal of a cokehead, and uh, I I thought that was yeah. great, and I thought he was great. Yeah. but damn, I thought it sucked overall. Really? Oh, I, I, I liked it. it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I like Bobby Cannavale a lot. And well, I, also, I like him. Yeah, yeah, I like him. I also thought that Ray Romano was great in it too. I do too. Yeah, I love Ray Romano too, but I just didn't think I didn't think it. I just didn't think it worked. You know. Well, I also, was, I think the the a lot of the portrayals of the record company people were sort of accurate. You know, <laughs> that's sort of oh, the way no, they were. <laughs> well, no doubt, and the and Andrew Dice Clay could have. You know, yeah. wasn't he? Oh, he was a promo guy. I forget yeah. what he was. Um, so he was one of your independent promo guys taking yeah. the viola down to uh, the radio station. Yeah, well, that's that's the way it was. I know. You know, if you wanted to get your song in the radio, you had to grease some palms. Yeah, I remember. Hey, Buck, speaking of books, did you ever think about writing a memoir? Uh, not seriously, no. Have you been approached? No, no. I mean, really? I, I suppose I could do it if I wanted to, but. I haven't really wanted to. Yeah. 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 I would I would say to everybody out there, don't write books. It takes too fucking long and it's <laughs> and uh the only uh business harder than the uh music business is the is the book business, which is still somehow back in 
kind of medieval times. Yeah, they, they have a kind of a, it's, you know, weird because we've had folks on like yourself that are published and some that are self-publishing and it just seems like everything's hard. Yeah, yeah, but. Well, guys, thank you so much. We really appreciate both of you taking time out of your days to spend with us. And uh, for all of our listeners, get out there and support both of them. Buy that new Bloister Cult CD, check out the music, and then uh, our friend Robert as well. Go check out his book. Um, thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. And uh, happy holidays. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah. That's right, and uh, happy new year. Let's uh, happy new year. let's happy make 21. Uh, I think 21 is gonna be a good year. <laughs> I really and, do. I'd like to say thanks to, to, to Buck Dharma and, and, and apologies for getting the time zone wrong. <laughs> right, I, I, I somehow in the go at 11 30 this morning, <laughs> and oh my god, I was so I was felt so bad. So I'm sorry, you were so nice to to forgive me yeah what's well, a good excuse to see you robert yeah it and, is, and it, to meet all you folks too so, so yeah to thank you. you it was a pleasure yeah okay guys well we'll, guys we'll yeah we'll at least always, i've never met but, but yeah and you're always welcome on robert whenever you fascinating. same with you buck you're always welcome on okay. um we'll uh send you guys updates this, this all hits next week okay all right all right Be good thanks, guys thanks bye. guys bye Thank you. So, Mark? Yes, Lisa. Did you fanboy out today? I did. I did. You've been waiting to ask that question. <laughs> I was excited for you. By the way, we are the new dynamic duo. Mm -hmm. The new kids have finally taken over the program. <laughs> the two originals. Wow. We are Tommy and Eric taking over. <laughs> 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 and I say we make a pretty hot couple. Yes, we do. Oh, so, yeah, now what? Now hold on. Is this the beginning or the end? What are we doing? The end. No, it's the end. So, right, so you already saw that. So that's what I'm saying. I thought it, I thought it was great. I tell you what, um, two great guests. And again, I go back to that thing I, when I introduced them. When I was 15 years old, I would have loved to go. Oh my God, I'm going to talk to Buck Dharma. And and the same thing with Robert Duncan. I mean, the guy that wrote the Kiss book. I mean, if you had told me that when I was fifteen, I would have went, "Oh my god!" Yeah, you're so, right. That's true because you know, like when I, I remember reading that book when it, you know, as a kid, and I knew that name. That's one name. You know, there's those names like you just never forget. And I knew, you know, that's one of those authors' names. I'm like, oh, Robert Duncan. He wrote the Kiss book. You know, okay. and then actually see him and talk to him because he worked for Cream, and I mm -hmm. Cream was like my that was my go-to music Bible. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I liked Circus. Hit Parader really wasn't, I liked Hit Parader, but you could almost, and as a kid, I could tell that Hit Parader was basically written by the publicist. You know, everything uh -huh. was so generic. Whereas, and Circus had a couple, you know, decent guys that, that you know, asked some decent questions. But Cream was just fucking out there. It was fun. And they always seem to, to, and not just Kiss, you know, Cheap Trick and Nugent and everybody else. They, you know, they, they had great pictures. And it was just, Cream was just a whole different, you know. Well, my, by the way, you know what? I'm going to give Cream a little quick, because I. Are you going to give him a little shout out? I, well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. This. 
hold on because i've got crap fucking everywhere well i tell you what one of the things i'm doing over christmas is trying to don't get me wrong my stuff is very organized but right now since i haven't been down here doing the show i've got stuff that i have to do you have to file it yeah um this is anyways this is this is what i wanted to show you this you can order this oh wow brand when, new when did you get that it just came out if you go to cream.com or cream on facebook and there's uh hold on here um there's some great kiss stuff in here and they've uh you know again they got a lot of the old articles i always love this picture of joe perry it's kind of dark so you can't really see it, but it was when they did the stars cars and he had a corvette that was smashed up it, it's it's really it's just really super fucking look at i mean talk about we we're just talking about alice cooper earlier you know there's some, oh wow that's what i mean this is a fucking a must have oh, wow. um Matter of fact, I don't know if it shows show that picture more time. There's Glenn Buxton with with that's Alex what I just snake. yep with a snake. Yeah, this this and it's thick too. I mean, we're thick for a magazine. Um, again, you know, if you're a '70s guy like me, you know, a nice New York Dolls New York article. Dolls. Yeah, just it's just so fucking cool. I'm trying to find that. I think they were more raw than they were uh, like polished. You know, like a one of the polished more polished magazines. Yeah. This is the, you remember, I remember that article. Yeah. I know. totally remember that article. Yeah. So that's what I mean. This is really, really fucking cool. Wow. I didn't know that was in cream. Yeah. That's where it's from. Matter of fact, uh, uh, Jan was on, mm -hmm. on, on the show. So um, I remember again, that. Just more kiss. Wow. It, it, it just, you know what? And this is something cool. Although I have the big one. They, they you know they send you one of these and also but i don't know if you can see and there's a bigger this is the version that came in the magazine but there there's a big poster of this and i ordered it oh wow and if you look carefully, if you look carefully all four members of our costume crusaders oh yeah that, yep there's peter yep. i saw gene there's ace sitting on the car yep where's um, paul Paul is up there. Hold on a second. He's here. So I got to find him. I, I know saw Alice. Here it is. He's next to. Uh... Oh, there he is. Yeah. So all form again. That's another reason why I loved cream back in the day. That's a cool poster. Yeah, it is. Well, this is a smaller version. I have a bigger version on the way. So um, again, you know what? So it's fun about doing this, you know, um, collecting that kind of cool stuff getting to get a, a brand new cream magazine all it is is, is is it's you know it's just a bunch of repackaging of all the articles but it's it's just cool to thumb through you know uh -huh. and again look at this this i mean for a magazine this is pretty thick there's a lot of content in here and it wasn't that bad priced at all uh -uh. i'm looking at it, it was 15 bucks yeah and there are a ton of fucking photos um Again, if you're a rock and roll guy and, and you dig like the 70s, you're going to want that. Um, that's 100 pages, Mark. Like I said, that's a lot. So, yep. uh, 100 page. Um, it's incredible 20 year print. So the 20 year print run from 1969 to 1989. 
That's crazy. Yep. And I don't know if the, the BOC one is in here. There's a, there's a, I remember there, uh, I don't know if you remember the, the Blue Oyster called art. It was from, I think from 78 and it had a, it, it, would, it was one of those things when they went, Clapton's the one who started it. And then I remember somebody had an ace one where it said ace is God. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Yeah. And anyways, so the first time I think I saw that in print was, it was like Clapton is God and blah, blah, blah. And then it was funny because in the cream one, this is from 78, they had Clapton X'd out and they had another rocker X'd out. And then it said, no, Blue Oyster Cult is God. So I just thought it was funny because that <laughs> it just ties in with today's episode. But I remember that from when I was 13, you know, and in Mark, you have the most, you have the most amazing memory. I I'll skip the elephant joke. <laughs> That's not even where I was going. You just brought that up on your own. That is not where I was going with that. Because I'm, I'm well, serious. I, I, will, like, I will tell you, at least I, I get a lot of people that say that. I, I, I attribute it to clean living. You know, I'm never a drinker, never a smoker. You know, it's just rock and roll facts, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Between you and the rock and roll facts and my husband with his, his uh, sports knowledge, you know. But. Well, hubby, hubby's pretty good with fucking rock. He's probably every bit as good as me. He knows the shit. He he knows a lot. Yeah, he 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 is. I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I can, you know, he can remember all that stuff. But well, you know what? I tell you, here's something today, especially because Buck was our, our guest, and and even you, Lisa, you said you're not, they're not the biggest BOC fan and stuff. Do, get, and I said it on the episode. If you have Spotify or one of those things. The Some Enchanted Evening. That's their yes. second live album. Remember, you said that. Yes. Some Enchanted Evening, which is, by the way, their biggest seller, believe it or not. That's uh, uh, that's a double platinum uh, record. It was released in 1978. A couple things. They do the Blue, they, uh, Blue Oyster Cult does the um, Kick Out the Jams version on there, which is phenomenal. Um, but also if you know because we have a lot of younger fans um astronomy's on there that song if you know metallica covered uh, astronomy uh that's on there godzilla's on there uh, don't fear the reaper i mean this is all live stuff but it sounds great but uh you know are you ready to rock is the opening song and boy it, it's just that song goes into eti that let me tell you, that is one smoking record. Um, some enchanted evening. So, if you're, if you're just like a casual uh, Booster Cult fan or want a good place to start, that's a good place to start. That's uh, that's what I'm going to do for my homework because, like I said, never um, never a big fan. Uh, but like I said, not that I didn't appreciate them. You know what I mean? I guess I I guess I never went outside the comfort zone with their hits you know yeah, i get it the hit. but Plus, i tell you what they're another band and and you know this as well if you have serious radio and if you listen to ozzy's boneyard you can't go a couple hours without hearing at least don't fear the reaper or godzilla or uh burning Burn for, you. for you um you know what i mean it's not unusual to hear their staples mm -hmm. you know what I mean? um and, there, and, and I say this a lot because I'm such a fan of so many of these classic bands. 
there's so much more to them. You know, again, um, get Cultosaurus erectus. Go check out Black Blade. Um, Cultosaurus erectus. That's hysterical. Yeah, it's a great album. (laughs) Oh, my God, it has a dinosaur on it. Yes, yes. And, and you know what, Lisa, um, dedicate this song to you. Go check out Mirrors because the, the, uh, the pre-chorus is Pretty Girls Can't Look Away. Oh, but to tell you what, in, in the summer of 79, that song was on the radio here in Detroit all the time. It was funny because I liked them. And at the time in 79, like I knew Godzilla and Don't Fear the Reaper. They were yeah. fairly new songs. Uh, you know, 76 and seven. It was funny. I drew up a list of stuff. You would not believe the fucking similarities, you know, and I, I touched on some of it, but just, I just really quick because I took the time to do it between Blue Oyster Cult and Kiss. Both are from New York. Both had breakout. Hits. Oh, what the hell was that? That was Godzilla. Oh. <laughs> Both had breakout hits in 1976 because that's. Uh, Don't Fear the Reaper and Beth were both oh. um, uh, oh, 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 Here we go. Um, both from New York. They had their live albums came out in '75 and '78, as opposed to '75 and '76 or '77. Excuse me. Um, Seventy. Uh, the hits in '76 thing I said already. Um, both changed their style up in 79 like i said kiss did i was made for loving you and they did a song which is awesome called dr music it's got a bit of a little dance beat into it. it's a great song what year was that 79 mirrors the title track lisa is one of my favorite songs of all time that song again it was a and i didn't find out really till just a few years ago because i was looking that didn't chart like all i just thought that was a huge smash hit because of all the how many times i heard it on the radio here and it made me go out and buy the record when i was 14 you know and then i that's when you know even tommy touched on it earlier that was i guess that was a regional hit i just assumed it was nationwide but uh, that song mirrors the title track a great piece of pop music rock all right yeah definitely check out mirrors um also too but more more things and I'm sure you heard this term. Their first name was, you know, the, of the band was originally Soft White Underbellies. And I thought that was just kind of like. You know, I have heard that before. Yes. Well, they did a club tour. I, you know, it's funny. I, as geeky as I was with Buck, I didn't want to hit him over the head. I had all the stuff. I'm like, all right, I better throttle it back a little bit. But they they did a they did a club tour when they were really big, like when they were playing Kobo and stuff. They did a club tour through. I remember they played at Harpo's. Now keep in mind this is around 1980, so they were playing you know Kobo at the time. But they they did a, a soft white underbelly tour. They did select cities just playing clubs when at the time they didn't have to. Um, what are the oh they both lost their drummer their for original member around 80 although they left they lost theirs in uh in 81 but kiss lost theirs in 1980 i thought that was weird um also two aces and aces real first name and buck isn't Buck's is, real. It, yeah both play lead guitar um oh i i, I did ask him about the 
the, the fan sites. Jesus Christ, you think Ace and Tommy get it bad. You ought to see what this Richie gets. Holy shit. And I don't I like get it. it. Well, I tell you what, because like, much like Tommy, like I remember when, when Sonic Boom came out, everyone was like, oh, he's ripping off fucking Ace. Blah, blah. I'm like, maybe, yeah, to a degree, but that's also like his guitar hero, and that's why he sounded right. like Richie writes songs that sound like Blue Easter Cult. Where's the downside? <laughs> you yep. know I mean? And when I hear songs like Out of This World, you know, like when Tommy said, it sounds like a Kiss song. Is, mm-hmm. Isn't that the point? <laughs> you know but what people I mean? still don't get it. You know, oh, I know. Here's another another kind of a weird thing. Bobby Rondinelli played drums for Blue Oyster Cult briefly, and Bobby Rondinelli auditioned for Kiss, but Eric Carr got the, the job. Bobby Rondinelli also was 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 big, and he, he played uh, drums for Rainbow and played drums for Black Sabbath. But he auditioned for Kiss, and he ended up in Blue Oyster Cult. Again, there's so many of these silly things. Mark, that is uh, so cool it, that you did in this. In 1994, Blue Oyster Cult released cult classics. They re-recorded all their most popular songs, just like Kiss did in 09 on the you know that Japanese release but it was for the same thing they're like why should Columbia get all the money we'll just re-record Don't Fear the Reaper and stuff and uh-huh. when the movie needs it we'll you know we'll get the money um this the 80s were rough on them same thing you know they're kind of chasing trends a little bit you know Bloister Cult kind of went through the same thing also too again I was just going nuts with this stuff Patty Smith the Patty Smith uh-huh. that you know the she wrote a number of things for Blue Oyster Cult, kind of in the same vein that uh, Lou Reed, you know, participated for a, an album or two. You know, although Lou Reed was just for the elder. But, you know, these are people, the reason I brought up Patty Smith and Lou Reed is they're critics, darlings. You know what I mean? But here they are helping these hard rock bands with some lyrics. Also, uh, a Blue Oyster Cult has a really cool um, concept album that unlike kisses works sorry it's true but imaginos <laughs> imaginos is uh is their concept record and it's phenomenal and um uh very very great stuff and you know obviously kiss had the elder but uh yeah i mean and, and that was just stuff off the top of my head when i was i'm like i cannot believe all the similarities between the two bands so Again, again, you're a fountain of knowledge. I am. Fountain. I was gonna reason. That's why I paused for a minute. I was waiting. I was waiting. Well, I tell you what, uh, my lovely Lisa, I guess it's time that uh, we start wrapping up. Yeah. I don't know who our I don't know who our guest is next week. Doesn't matter. No. Nope. Does it really? Doesn't matter. I'm happy that I'm back. Oh, you know what I wanted to do? We really missed you. Quickly? Yes. Yeah, thank you. Well, you know what? When we had the author on, and, and this is maybe a nice little five minute and then we can wrap up, Lisa. Sure. For anybody who stuck with us this far, <laughs> I didn't get to, I did not get to make my point. Because um, the last time I was on, I froze up through Doug's. Yes. Yeah. And I, I tell you what, look. Go back to that episode where I was trying to talk to the to the audience. Look, I love stars. I own every one of their records. Matter of fact, I'm so geeky. I even went out and bought the Piss Party, you know, 
Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. Again, I love this band. I'm a big fan. Okay. And I love Richie. He's a great guy. You know, always super cool to me. But guys, a cheap trick is the yin to Kiss's yang. And Stars is not the yin to Aerosmith's yang. Ted Nugent is. I don't care. You don't have to like Ted Nugent. You don't have to like anything about him. But if you were, if you go back in 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, and look through rock magazines, there's Cheap Trick, there's Kiss, there's Aerosmith, there's Ted Nugent. And if you went to all the outdoor stadium shows, there's Aerosmith, Ted Nugent, Ted Nugent, there's Aerosmith. That's just a fact. That's not me going, oh, uh, you know, the, the, the whole, this, look, you know, if you want to do a yin to Stars Yang, Angel. Angel. Yep. That's what I was yep. thinking. Yep. Oh, that's the whole thing that, that kind of like, I, I thought our guest was, I, I never did watch the episode just because I just never got around to it, but that was the point I was trying to make. I understand the yin and yang thing. It doesn't work with stars. It doesn't mean I don't like them. I bought all their records. We talked about that in the episode, though, about Angel and how the... I was trying, trying, because look, just because somebody, an author says something doesn't mean it's right. And that's what I was pointing out. Right. Stars does not belong in that conversation. I'm sorry. It's their opinion too, right? I mean... No, no, everybody is allowed to their actual, you're 100% right. That's what I mean. But, But at the same time, though, if you look at things analytically, I didn't see stars headlining the same stadiums and the same arena shows with Aerosmith. True. Ted did. And again, you want to you want to really split these things down? Boston, Foreigner. You know what I mean? Yeah. The yin and the yang. That's where that's where I was trying to drive the conversation, just to kind of prove a point that. One of these things doesn't, doesn't fit. Bolt, yeah. It's not that it's not great. I like it. I think it's great. I spent my money on it. But one of those things in the conversation doesn't work. And that's, sorry, that's the way it is. Love Richie, love stars. But I would have thought that would have been much more interesting conversation had it been Cheap Trick, Kiss, Aerosmith, Nugent. Because those four things do yin and yang off one another. Throw in another chapter, stars, angel. That's all. There you go. That was the whole point I was trying to make. And now I feel better because I made it. Good. Well, you know what? As as long as you feel better, Mark, that's what we care about. Exactly. That's that's it. We can all walk away going, thank God Mark's feeling better. (laughs) Because that's the sole purpose of life. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like you're getting into a a, a discussion or something in school and then the bell rings. You're like, I didn't finish my point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. That's that's what that's felt like for the last couple of weeks. I'm like, man, I wanna I wanna finish my point. So, and by the way, you know, you you guys did a great job over the last couple of weeks. You know, I uh, I actually had a bunch of people texting like, are you still on the show? I'm like, no, I haven't joined White Lion yet. Don't worry. About <laughs> you know, I'm still on. So, but if you notice, look how clear and and um, and you know, non glitchy Mark is today. Yeah, thank Liz. This is her her tablet, which I think I'm going to go out and buy one now. So. Yeah, I mean you are you are crystal clear, except for my dark, smoky look, right? That's well, I, yeah, it, it looks a little. Dark. It's very ambiance. You know, you 
Okay. Well, as you guys saw when I turned on the, the light behind me, it looked like oh my I had goodness. A yeah, a little halo on. Mm -mm, nope. Yeah, we don't want that. So, uh, well, I was telling Michael every time I work from this bar, like I have this like fat roll. Oh, we used to. See that? So I'm going to just <laughs> stick my <laughs> like a turtle. <laughs> Did you ever see what's the hell is it? The, the, what's the, the, the turtle movie? The internet. Oh, Christ. With, with, uh, oh, fuck. It's hilarious. With Dana Carvey. <gasps> yes. But what was it called, though? It wasn't called. Uh... Was that like the International Man of Mystery or some no. shit? Text it, 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 no, it was. Um, it, not Undercover Man. Damn it. Hold on. Everybody just wait a minute. Because <laughs> now it's going to bother that. me. Because I've seen that, it. That turtle fucking shit is so funny in that movie. It's not even funny. Right, hold on. I'm getting his filmography pulled up here. Whoopsie. Career filmography. Here it is. It, it was. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Ma the master of disguise. The master of disguise. That's what it was. <laughs> and by the way, there's another homework. Go check out Master of Disguise, the turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that it right? That's it right there. See him right there? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Oh my God. There's some great turtle scenes in, in that. How funny. That's funny. I've never watched that too. in a while. I get turtle scenes too when I get out of the shower and it's too cold. <laughs> but I'm fine. You made a funny. <laughs> does it go like this? Or does it go like this? Or does it go like this? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> And Michael, <laughs> we could just make our own fun. Here we go. You know. All, All right, right. So maybe next week I won't have children fighting. Or oh, I swear to God, I swear every week. Oh my! Do you see me give stink eye to my son? No, I did not. It was this look. <laughs> I was too busy. I was fan. You were geeking out. out. It was I wonderful. Was, I was excited for you. Thank you. I, I tell you what, you know, all, all props to Michael for, you know, get, reaching out to Robert and Robert getting buck on. Look, at, at, at my age and just enjoying the shit that I enjoy, man, it's the little things. You know, just in you know, the last... This day and age, it has to be the little things. Dude, just in you the know? last year. <laughs> talk to fucking Alice Cooper. Talk to Ted Nugent. I talked to fucking Buck Dharma. I mean... And some stupid little podcast. It's fucking awesome. I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall during that Ted Nugent one. I was excited for you. What's happening? You okay? Oh, oh I just got a text from a friend of mine. We're laughing. So. All right. Well, we should wrap because I have to make dinner and stuff like that. <laughs> Wiki, wiki. Oh, I thought we were rapping. <laughs> All right, stop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. I look funny, but you're making money. <laughs> your world, are you ready for me? So gather round. I'm the new fool in town and it sounds laid down. Want me to keep going?
<laughs> yeah, I'm actually pretty impressed. I know a little Humpty dance never hurts anybody. So <laughs> look, I'm a white middle-aged guy. What, what guy my age doesn't know the fucking Humpty dance by heart. Are you kidding me? So, I was pretty impressed. I could keep going, but I'm not now because people have to send quarters and that's uh, right. after I get enough money, then I'll, I'll finish the tune. Then but you'll that, finish the tune. Okay. I, look, I know a lot of old school. I can, I can tear up some, you know, can you bust a move? Yeah, you know, I love that record actually. Um, well, what the fuck you was that? It? The, you know, oh, no, um, oh, Young MC, that album's fucking awesome. I love Young MC. You want it, baby? You got it. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to do that, like the the what do you call it, the Running Man thing? <laughs> but I have socks on or shoes on, and I'm like behind a little bar. <laughs> Oh, Michael's going to have a field day when he edits this one. He's going to be like, what the What are you guys doing? We go from BOC to bust a move. (laughs) I so wish I had more room because I'd be like. (laughs) (laughs) The cabbage patch. (laughs) Churn that butter. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What's the other one? The the, the sprinkler. Sprinkler, right? Is that how it goes? Yeah. Whatever. God help us all. All right. Homework. We need homework. Homework is. Oh, um. All right. Check out the song Take Me Away. Compare that to Burning For You. Because I think Take Me Away is a better song. All right. That, or what do you think of. Check. I tell you, there's three Bloister Cult live albums On Your Feet or On Your Knees. (laughs) <laughs> um, some enchanted evening and extraterrestrial live all three of those are dynamite which one do you like best i'm gonna go with some enchanted evening although, i have to listen although all three are awesome i have to listen to them because i have to educate myself you do but you look damn beautiful doing it thank you Mark. Wounds, it's the new wound. hair color see that i love it are you kidding me does everybody like the new hair color or no? Because remember, it was like really dark. So we'll see. Can add that in as extra homework. There you go. Okay, guys, we're right. out of here. Have a great week, everybody. That was what? What game show was that? We did a- uh, that was the uh, that was um the, the dating, dating game. Okay, the dating, the dating game. game. Dating with one, two, three. Oh, we got to do it all at the same time. Ready? Okay. I'll count three. Ready? Okay. One, two, three. What? <laughs> <laughs> we are messed up. So you love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.